everyone. Welcome to episode 100, Getting Your Husband on Board. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to listen. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. What is going on? We are in what we call the triple digits. How is it possible that we are at 100? And I will tell you, after 100 episodes, I still want to put a paper bag up to my mouth and hyperventilate and blow into the bag because it is terrifying. Even after 100 episodes, I'm terrified. I'm nervous. I don't feel good enough. I feel insecure. I feel unworthy. I feel shame. I feel guilt. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I feel uncomfortable. I feel all the things every single episode. So just know that if you're feeling that about whatever that thing is for you, it doesn't go away and it's not supposed to. So then you just learn to like coexist with it versus waiting for it to go away because I waited for two years for it to go away. And if I would have kept waiting, we would not be on episode 100 together. And so a big question I get a lot is how do you get your husband on board? How do you get your spouse on board? It's mostly moms coming to me saying, how do you get your husband on board? This is great and this is fine and this is dandy, Kelly. It sounds amazing, but I'm super calm. I'm super chill. And then I got this husband who's a tyrant or he's militant or he's yelling or he's screaming or he just shuts down and he goes in his office. And I have a husband who's not around. And when he is, he's just checked out and on the couch playing video games, whatever it is. I hope that this will give you some insight of how to get your husband on board, how I got David on board, because he's not like this doormat husband and like, oh, David, go do this. And he's like, okay. It's not like I say jump and he says how high. He's a very interesting character as far as he's a W-H-O-L-E whole person. And he's not one to take directions very well. Let's just put it that way. Okay. So for control enthusiasts like myself, AKA control freaks, it's not that easy. But I figured out a way, and it wasn't me figuring it out, it was me staying in my own lane, of how to get him on board with not really telling him how to get on board. Does that make sense? So I've been asking him to be on the podcast for literally the last 99 weeks, okay? And every time I asked him, he would say, oh yeah, okay, I gotta go get the mail. Oh, I got a thing. Oh, I gotta go. We always say we gotta check the lint in the dryer. That's like our excuse for everything. He's like, I gotta go check the lint in the dryer. See what's going on. He just never said yes and never said no. I always said he would be a great politician because he never commits to an answer. He's always like this murky, okay, and then he changes the subject, kind of blows me off. So I've been asking for 99 weeks and a lot of his hesitation comes from almost like when I was trying to teach our kids how to tie their shoes, it's like I knew how to tie my shoes, but I didn't know how to teach it. So he knew and he felt the shift, but he didn't know how to articulate and put words to it. And now it feels very natural, but in the beginning it didn't. And he's not the one, like I'm the emotional one, like let's talk about our feelings. What does this mean? And let's go deeper and let's, you know, what is this deeper meaning about, we could be buying a new refrigerator and I'd be like, what does this mean that we can't agree on the refrigerator? Let's go deeper. And he's very factual. He's very to the point. He always says, I'm just not that deep, Kelly. I'm like, you actually are. You just don't know it. He's like, no, I'm telling you I'm not. So 
For him to come on is like him coming on to talk about his feelings where it doesn't come natural, but it does come natural, if that makes sense. And so he's very humble. And because of that, to get on a podcast and talk about himself and his parenting is kind of like, eh, I'm going to exit stage left. So that's why I had to ask him for 99 weeks straight. And this topic is something I get a lot of questions about, but I purposely did not answer it. And I did not do an episode about it with the hopes of David finally saying yes. So guess what? In the last week... He kept blowing me off, kept giving me the half answers. And I still didn't know he was very much limbo, limbo, limbo. And I still didn't have a you know final answer. And something like I said, what does your tomorrow look like? And then you know what he said? I definitely can't do it in the morning, but probably after you pick up Grady. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I don't know if I said this in a previous episode, but I said, if David is ever on this podcast, or maybe I said it to some of you off the mic, is if David is ever on the podcast, I will then believe in unicorns because it is next to impossible for it to happen. And folks, we now can all believe in unicorns because David sits down and talks about himself, which is very difficult for him. But he did it for you. And he did it for all the dads listening because a lot of times it's easier to hear from a dude do a dude versus some chick who used to teach first grade saying, you know, I really think you should talk about their feelings. You're like, okay, Kelly, pound sand, all right? Not that any of the dads were saying that, okay? I'm just saying, hypothetically, if that happened. So I wanted you to hear from a dad's point of view how he became a conscious father and he didn't read any of the books. He didn't listen to any of the podcasts that I requested him to listen to and he still figured it out. And he talks about how he figured it out. Please let me know how this podcast episode impacts you because I want to shower him with praise and all of your takeaways so he can know that this made an impact because it was super uncomfortable and super vulnerable for him to do, but he did it all for you. So without further ado, take it away. Here's the interview. We have a special guest today, my husband, father of Lil and Grady, David Hutchison. Why don't you say hello? What's up to all my people in the house? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Holy moly. Okay, so I've been wanting to talk about how to get your husband on board for all of these episodes, but I've been holding off trying to get David begging and pleading for him to come on the podcast. He finally agreed as the 100th episode to be our guest. And so I've been holding off and answering that question because I was praying that he would finally come on to kind of help answer that a little bit because I know there's a lot of dads that listen and sometimes, you know, it's easier to connect with a, a dude versus like just listen to me talk as a first grade teacher and counselor and mom. So I guess, David, bring me back a little bit to life before we became conscious parents and kind of like what it is like now. So I'm not really sure what that date is. So if you could, uh, if you could point me back to that specific date, that'd be, that'd be helpful. Well, it was more like when they were like, I would say three and five, things were very stressful. And then we kind of went through a transition and then they became to feel a little bit more light and fluffy. Do you remember like what it was like, like from you coming home from work, the energy of the home versus the energy when you used to work outside of the home and not work from home and you came, you walked in the door and the energy when you came home. So I think that's, it's hard to describe because it's three and five year olds and today, you know, they're. 10 and 13. So you're dealing with different issues. But certainly as we progress through their ages and got to the point where we are today, it's gotten a ton easier. And I, I guess I kind of point that towards you and, you know, your schooling and all of that. And I just kind of followed that lead to be, you know, be very blunt. I'm not educated in that that area and just kind of uh, followed what you were doing. And I think you you took that approach Gosh, I don't know. Probably, like you said, when they were three and five and me just 
following it because I saw that it was working. I think it's that simple. Mm. When I first met you, first thing you said to me is you're like, just so you know, I'm pretty stubborn. So, <laughs> True story. <laughs> True story. Still so, am. So, so it's not like I could sit you down and say, David, we're going to try this new way of parenting. And you were just like, yeah, not that sounds great. That, that would literally backfire. So if you're listening as a mom or you're listening as a dad trying to, quote unquote, change the spouse and get them on board, I think like what David said is showing them that it works is the best evidence because men especially, they like data. They like evidence. They like hard facts. They don't like the light and fluffy and let's talk about our feelings and let's talk about our emotions. So I think the more you can show them that it's working for you and the energy shifting within you and the energy shifting within your kids, then they kind of like, hey, what's going on over there? So it's almost like, would you say you felt like it was your idea more than me like pushing it on you? I don't think you pushed it on me, or I guess that's not answering the question directly, but I think it's just, again, you taking the lead and me, you know, kind of watching, you know, say you're outside doing whatever with the kids and something happens and I'm watching inside going, oh my God, that worked. So yeah. And then, you know, maybe me questioning, I, look, I don't know the exact scenarios, but maybe me questioning it or like, hey, what, what, what'd you do to turn that around? So I think it's a combination of, of that. And then obviously wanting our, our, you know, wanting our kids to, to grow and not feel that pain of, of you know, yelling at kids. Right. Yeah. And I think I remember many, many nights of crying to you saying, you know, there's something that they need that I can't give them. And I just need you to help me a little bit. And like, what are we supposed to do? And I remember you saying, well, <laughs> if you don't know, then how am I supposed to know? Right. Because he works in finance and that's like him going to me for what should we do with our stocks and bonds? I'd be like, bro, I don't know. That's, you know, if you don't know, how am I supposed to know? So focusing on like the zone of expertise and like staying in our own lane. But also I tried really hard when I was learning all this stuff, not to just throw it at David and read this and do this. Something's wrong with you. You're doing it all wrong. Just really staying in my lane and just practicing and keeping my side of the street clean and then him picking up on what he needs to pick up on, but also honoring the fact that I don't want to have a spouse that's a clone of the way I parent. And so he has his own style and flavor and I have my own style and flavor. And in the end, we kind of balance each other out where I'm not as strong, he's stronger and where he's not as strong that I kind of fill in. And so I think sometimes we want the spouse to be a clone of us and that doesn't benefit the child because it's good for the child to have two different type of personalities to interact with. And then they have a special bond versus if I was always coming to you saying, you're doing it wrong, fix this, do it wrong. You would shut down even more, I think, and probably dig your heels even more. Yeah. So that's called zone defense. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So how do you keep your cool? Because I see like I'll be in the other room and I'll hear something like you said happening outside or, you know, last night with Grady with the filter and I'll hear him get upset and you don't seem to get upset with him. And I'm just wondering how you keep your cool when he's losing his mind because you didn't change the air filter and it's something over something very small. And, you know, we're rational adults thinking, why are you upset about something so little? But we're also not dealing with, you know, we're dealing with a 10-year-old or, you know, five-year-old, a three-year-old. How do you keep your cool in those moments when there's, you know, they're losing their mind over something that we think is small and you don't lose your mind with them and yell at them or shame them or name call them or anything like that? How do you, how do you do that in that, in that when the moment is so heated? Hmm. That's a, that's a good question. So, so true story. Yep. For sure. Grady was uh, upset last night and I guess perhaps justified, but he had asked me to change his filter and his air filter. He's got an air filter in his room and, and I guess the, the light was on. So he'd asked me for a couple days in a row, but you know, obviously right at bedtime, right when he's supposed to go to bed. And I'm just like, I'll do it in the morning and forgot or didn't do it. Anyway, I think, you know, my approach to that, certainly with the, the smaller kids is you got to get down on their level and you'll see 
you know, athletic coaches do that too, right? So if you're towering over a child like that, only, you know, that infuriates them and also gives you kind of a point of power, if you will. So I try to get down on their level and I don't know, I'm six, two, six, three. So it's a long ways down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Not great knees either. But anyway, so I get down with them. And I think when, when that happens with them, it's obviously, it's not the, whatever the issue is that they're talking to you about, you know, in this case, that the air filter, that's not the issue. Like there's something else going on. So I think for me, kind of getting down on their level and stopping and dropping and just like, hey, they're asking you for some time and I just give it to them, right? So I've got to give them that time and try to figure out kind of the root cause of it. And and so we learned that, or I think I learned that it really had nothing to do with the air filter last night. I guess the, the light went off and the light was bothering him mm. when he was sleeping. But Look, again, still insignificant, but I guess the the point of it is, is just it's it's typically not the issue that is coming out of their mouth. So you kind of got to root around to try to figure out what it is. Yeah, you got to get super curious because like him getting upset about the light, you have to get underneath what's going on with the light. It's not about the air filter and us freaking out that he's freaking out about something small. We have to remember... You know, Grady is 10, and I don't know if I told you this, but he lost his tooth today at school. I did not know. I know. Breaking news right here. Find out together. And so, like, tonight, like, when he wakes up in the morning, he's going to be looking for that dollar bill. I mean, I'm just whispering because he might be in the room. But, like, that just shows you how impressionable their little brains are that they think that a F-A-I-R-Y, I'm spelling in case there's kids in the room, is going to fly in the house and and leave money underneath his pillow. And so, yes, it was insignificant and it was silly what he was upset about, but he was still upset. And so it's honoring him and his emotions versus get over it, stop it. It's not going to help. And so we have to remember that we're not dealing with a rational, grown adult. We're dealing with a child that is growing, developing. Their brains are little. They're super impressionable. They believe in unicorns, some of them, and, you know, magic fairies. And so we have to kind of remember that. And like David was saying, get on their level. And so what do you think the most challenging part of being a dad is so far? You've been a dad now for 13 years with Lily and 10 with Grady. So what do you think has been the most challenging part? Oh, man. Well, I guess it's, I guess, you know, for for everybody, right? Change is hard. And so, you know, once you, once you learn one thing, it's like, they move past it. Mm-hmm. So, all right, got the diapers down. We're good, you know, and then and then it's on to, you know, they're crawling and then it's on to, you know, they're walking. So just keeping up with the busyness of life, I'll mm-hmm. say, and also making time for yourself. And I know I forget the love languages and, and that, you know, that that's certainly quality time is one of mine. So I think I value that and I try to carve that out with kids and, and with Kelly and and certainly family. So that's important to me. And then, you know, work gets in the way and there's just a lot of things thrown at you at once, you know, when you're, when you're a parent. So I, I think that's, I guess for me, the, the most challenging part, you know, fast forward to today. And the most challenging part is getting the kids to wherever they need to go pretty mm-hmm. much right now. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're a little bit of a, a taxi service and running kids from volleyball and baseball and everything else. But um, I think that's, you know, for me, it's it's continuing to, I, I'll say, keep up with all of the changes in their life because, you know, we've, we've, I'll say, essentially grown up, right? But they're, they're still, they're still experiencing new things. Right. 
Yeah, it's constantly just staying on your toes. And it's almost like that double dutch we talk about. It's like adjust, adjust, adjust. Oh, new stage, new age. And I think a lot of times when they're little, you think, oh, it's going to be so much easier when they're walking. And then when they're walking, they're falling over and they're running at it from you in the parking lots. And so just remembering that at every stage, there's going to be that 50-50 balance of the challenge and also the beauty of each age. Every age brings this amazing beauty, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. And then the challenge of whatever that age and stage is. And so leaning into that versus, you know, when my mom was raising the girls, raising us girls, she always said that, you know, she was always in these mom groups and they were always hoping and wishing for the next stage. And she always tried to stay present in the stage and enjoying all the the 50-50 of each stage and age. And I think if we can remember that, then we're not just, you know, wishing away this 940 Saturdays that we just can't wait to get to the stage and having destination addiction, that it's going to be different or better somewhere else where it's 50-50 at every age and stage. Piggybacking on that, what is this is a hard question, but what do you think is the best part about being a dad? Ooh, the the best part of being a dad, man. So I, I don't know if this will answer or not, but I think it's certainly, it makes me appreciate, you know, my childhood, right? So when I parent our kids, I, I kind of look back and go, well, what was my experience like? And then I'll say that influences perhaps some of the decisions I make, but it, it certainly makes you appreciate your childhood, assuming you had a, a good childhood. And if you didn't, then perhaps you're you're trying to, you know, write that, if you will. So you're trying to turn that cycle around. So that's one of the cool things about being a parent is kind of looking back and seeing the sacrifices that your parents made and their parents and and you know, the cycle continues. But as far as as far as the kids. The, the cool thing about the kids and, you know, you compare it or you can look at it in athletics or school or, or anything, but just watching them grow, it's a little bit sad, kind of like see them go do their own thing and they're not coming to mom and dad anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty cool to to watch your kid go out and make his or her her own own path, not lean on you and like come back and, and tell you certain experiences that they've had that you kind of knew they were going to have, but kind of hope they maybe came back to you for, I don't know, advice and things like that. So trying to keep the lines of communication open as well, right? So so you don't want to, I don't know, alienate is the right word, but you want them, if, if they have an issue, you want them to obviously to be able to come to you in that time of need when they're at a crossroad and you want to be there for them, but you don't want to force that on them as well. So it's pretty cool to see the kids grow from our four walls like Mm -hmm. you're just you're just sitting there and the next day they come back to you with something different and it's a a pretty unique experience if you're a parent yeah and i think that ties into you talked about athletics a lot and you talked the other day with lily and i we were talking about an issue i don't remember what happened but you said kelly you always want to be like the umpire at a baseball game as a parent i was like what are you talking about lily and i looked at each other like you had six heads and then you explained it i was like omg that's exactly what conscious parenting is because we're big sports nuts and grew up with sports and both our kids play sports. And so sports is such a great analogy for life. You know how I am with analogies. When he said this analogy about umpires and parenting, I was like, explain that. So I'll let you explain that because it made, really made sense. <laughs> I don't even remember the context that we're talking, but uh, yeah, you told me right before we came in here. But what I had said was that you always know that you have or had a good umpire during a game if nobody really even knew he or she was there on the field. And and I guess I could go to, you know, baseball, soccer, football, whatever. But I guess my point is if there were no controversial calls and and nobody's yelling at the refs and 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 that sort of thing, that means they did a good job, right? And so that's kind of how I look at 
parenting, right? Like if we're not having blowups with our kids and they're communicating with us, then that's our feedback, mm-hmm. right? I think anyway, I yeah. hope. I want children to be able to come to us. I want them to communicate, but I don't want them to come to us for everything. And I don't want them to feel like we're restricting of them either. So it's certainly a balance when you mention that. I think that is a a fairly good analogy and I think we practice it well. Yeah, I definitely think that it's almost like we're the spotter in the gym where we're there if we need them. But now that they're 10 and 13, we kind of like want them to spread their wings and fly and not really clip their wings. And I remember when I was really struggling as a mom and I was crying myself to sleep and sleeping with so much mommy guilt and saying to you, I think that there's something wrong with them. And um, sorry, I'm getting emotional. I remember sending you all these links on Baby Center and they were like three and five. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. sure Lily has this. And I would send you the link of the diagnosis or the disorder or the ailment. And then I would say, I'm sure Grady has this. And I was just so stressed out and I couldn't sleep. And it was every morning waking up, promising I'm going to do it different. And then by 8 a.m., I'm just this snappy turtle. And I just couldn't figure it out. And I remember sending those links to you saying, there's something wrong with them. And this is what I think it is. And this is the label. I was so sure of it. And you just wrote back and you're like, and with a question mark. And what you were saying is pretty much like, these are the children that we have. And so we have to accept that as is and figure this out instead of expecting this three and five-year-old to figure out and heal us and fix us because there's nothing wrong with us. It was just, for me, I know that I was parenting from so much fear of not being good enough and all the infertility stuff that went on. I came into parenting with such a feeling of not being good enough that I was parenting from that place for so many years and I didn't even know it. And so I just appreciate that when I was sending you those links that there's something wrong, there's something wrong that you just kept writing back. Like, and like, you just, like, we will figure this out and we'll figure it out together. So I just want to appreciate you. <laughs> Say thank you for that. I don't know if you remember even me doing that. You've told me a couple of times about that, but I, I, I don't. Yeah. And so I just, I just want to encourage you that, because I think if he would have been like, yeah, okay, let's go down this road and let's go down this path. I think I would have found more evidence of all the issues that I was seeing. And then it just would have made the label or a diagnosis or the ailment that I thought they had. I think it would have compounded it and made it worse versus coming from a place of yes and figure out how we can figure out this dance because we were stepping on each other's toes and I was clearly expecting the three and five-year-old to change, to change up their dance moves. And I just was sure that if I could change them, then they would lower the stress in the home. And they were just a reflection of all the angst and lack coming from me. So I hope that this podcast after a hundred episodes has shown you that number one, there's nothing wrong with your kids. And I want to reassure you too, that there's nothing wrong with you and you as a parent not coming from lack and also always coming from abundance and feeling good enough. And then from that place, you can parent with so much curiosity and so much being that umpire parent versus control and fear and lack and not good enough because that's where the snappiness comes. It doesn't have anything to do with what the kids are doing or not doing. It doesn't have anything to do with the air filter. It has to do with that brings up emotions in us. And instead of responding to that and meeting disrespect with disrespect or meeting their yelling with our yelling, it adds gas to the flames. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Just to put that in short, I mean, if if you're looking for something wrong, you're going to find it, Mm -hmm. right? right? And if you're looking for the good, you're going to find that too. So from a parent's perspective, it's it's your choice which which approach you take, but you're going to find wrong in everything. So I think the latter approach is probably uh, a more positive approach and you'll get a better outcome. Yeah. And I think that our whole goal is always to have the energy within the home because the kids, when they leave the house, they have a lot of stuff that they're managing with friends and school and whether they're in quarantine or virtual school or their sports or they're in band. I think they're managing so much outside the four walls. So the more that we can aim to have a B minus home and having a light and fluffy energy within the home. So they're not dealing with more stress at home as well as when they leave the house having the stress as well. And so it's almost like 
home can be their safe place and the place that they feel that they can open up and go to you when there's problems versus running from you because they're worried they're going to get in trouble and they're going to be grounded or this is going to happen and they're just going to be yelled at and it just makes them shut down more and they're going to feel more alone when they're going through tough times versus opening up to us when they are going through tough times. And there are going to be times where they just are going to want to figure it out on their own and they'll be able to do that because you've equipped them with those skills throughout their upbringing. So thank you, David, for being the hundredth guest. And I literally have asked him for 99 weeks straight to be on the podcast. And he never said yes. And he never said no. He would always say, oh, well, yeah, you know, well, I got I got a thing and I got to go check the mail now. All right. Well, thanks for having me and I'll see you at 200. Okay. Sounds like a plan. And for everybody else, I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.